Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your interviewer, Kathy Johnson, and I would like to introduce Kaleem Kerr, running for the Madison Metropolitan School Board, Seat 3. As we begin, I'd like you to give an opening statement as to your educational, vocational, and civic experience you have, which qualifies you for this office, and why you are running for the Madison Metropolitan School Board. Thank you. So my name is Kaleem Kerr again. I'm a native Madisonian. My family's been here since 1907. Um, I was born and raised here. I went to both public and private school here. I spent first through seventh grade at St. James uh, Catholic School and then kindergarten at Franklin uh, Elementary School and Madison School and then Cherokee Middle School and West High School where I'm a graduate. I'm also a graduate of UW-Madison. Um, I've spent the last 25 years in education reform, work, working with everything from children who are at risk to children who are gifted and talented, uh, helping establish programs and opportunities for, for both groups. Um, I um, was the person who helped seed the effort for the people program at the University of Wisconsin, uh, helped spearhead that, that work towards establishing that program, which has graduated several hundred students from Madison through college. Um, helped my wife with her program, the Information Technology Academy, which does the same. I uh, was a part of the Schools of Hope program, the tutoring program, and getting that off the ground early. Um, a number of other things I did here in the city, including encouraging the Latino community to start Nuestro Mundo Charter School, which would lead to the expansion of DLI, dual language immersion in the school district. A lot of people don't know that, but um, the principal who was the founder of that school now is principal of the school that I have uh, called One City. And I worked nationally also um, on policy issues. I was appointed by the U.S. Secretary and the White House during Bush, his era in the, in the presidency to oversee the value or to advise the U.S. Congress and the White House and the School of, and Department of Education on uh, the implementation evaluation of No Child Left Behind, the big evaluation they were doing. And then I was also a part of the team that helped review grants that states were writing to uh, secure funds under President Obama's Race to the Top initiative, which was his signature education initiative. So I've done everything from program development to uh, policy. And so, you know, I think there's a lot that I contribute, uh, would contribute on the board. Okay. The achievement gap between white students and students of color is a chronic problem that MMSD has struggled with for a long time. What of the superintendent's priorities for narrowing the gap do you support, and what do you believe should be the board priorities? So let me speak to the board priorities. Um, I think, you know, the board is the voice of the community um, and the supervisor support person also to the superintendent. Um, I think the board has to be a part of setting the agenda for what we focus on, and the achievement gap is one of the things that we've known about for over 40 years. We've had a hard time making headway on that. The gap has grown in many ways over that time. But I think four things have to happen in order to address that. Number one is we have to start earlier with our children. Um, there's been a lot of talk about trying to develop a pre educational programs to work with our local providers of preschool education to get to kids as early as three to earlier than that. Um, I think we have to make that a board priority. Um, the more we can start with children early and their families, 
uh, the more likely we're going to see children emerging into our kindergarten, first grade, second grade, ready to learn and not this two-year gap that we see with children who actually exit kindergarten uh, with that. Um, beyond that, we have to in include parents in this work. We have to also hold parents accountable to being involved. I've shared with people, I think sometimes we're a little afraid to tell parents who, for one reason or another, um, aren't there when we need them to be there, that you need to be here, you know? And so I'm not afraid to do that, and I know how to do that um, in a way that helps that parent keep their dignity. But we've gotta have them as partners in this work. Uh, we also have to ensure that we're providing the type of educational programming to children that's truly preparing them for their future. Our children are learning faster now. I've described to people that my age, when I'm 47, we were all textbook-dependent learners where the teacher would take us through the textbook over a year, and we were all excited to get that shiny new textbook at the beginning of the year. Well, now what a teacher would teach us in a year, a really voracious learner will go home after hearing from their teacher what they're going to study, and they'll look up Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. They'll watch a few YouTube videos and look at the Internet and read some things and come back, and they've covered the whole curriculum in a weekend. So how do you work with children who have that? Brought breadth of learning and a veracity for learning to, with children who are really don't even have the tools to learn that the gap is wider. And so we have to have schools that adjust to that as well as providing additional resources to children again earlier so that these challenges that they have don't manifest themselves. And then beyond that, you know, we've got to invest in our, our teachers, but we've got to make sure that they've got the cutting edge skills for the future, but make use of the skills that they have already. Um, to turn the lights on for our children. And I'm worried that we've allowed a lot of folks that have amassed 20 to 30 years in the educational system, um, we haven't created an avenue for them to come in and coach the ones who are coming up. A personalized pathways program is being implemented and promoted in the MMSD as one way to open educational opportunities for students of color and help to close the achievement gap. What do you see as the strengths and weaknesses of the program? as it's currently structured? So I think the strengths of the program first are that um, they have a great relationship with the health providers in the community because it's really a health track for students. Um, they have established a strong relationship with uh, Madison College, which has now manifested itself into this early college program that they're creating where students will be able to get their um, first two years, up to the first two years of their education in college under their belt before they graduate high school. That's huge for kids who come from low-income families. It'll cut down the cost that they'll accrue um, as they go through higher education. And, uh, you know, the excitement that that's and the specialization that that's brought into education in our high schools, um, I think that that's, that's a great thing. The challenges, one, were the early communication around the program. Um, school districts aren't often the greatest marketers of what they do. And so I think that there was some bits and misstarts with even communicating to families about what this is, especially in a community where we pride ourselves on sending our kids to four-year colleges. Well, what does this pathways thing mean? So I think that there were some challenges there, having the type of instruction and the quality of instruction in the program. Um, also, it takes time to build. And I think that there could have been greater communication around how long that would take to build a strong program. Staff use of racial slurs has recently emerged as a significant personnel issue in the Madison schools. How should this issue be addressed throughout the district? You know, we always have to, um, one is hiring. We always have to be focused on who we bring in 
and how prepared are they to work in this inverse environment that we live in, but also recognize that, you know, there's not a plethora of teachers out there who are either teachers of color that have that experience, not to say that they would not do that also, that's possible, um, but also there are, we don't have a breadth of teachers that may have had the type of contact with um, our children that uh, we would like, so they would already have built up that resilience and sensitivity and just mutual respect for not saying or doing things like that. Um, but I think it's two things. One is, um, you know, we've got to, again, we got to worry about that on the hiring end of it. We got to hire the right people to be in front of our children. But second is we got to create the climate in our schools where our teachers aren't so stressed out. My daughter happened to have a teach one of the teachers at West High School that was accused of that. And I asked her, I said, what do you think about that? And she said, dad, she's one of my favorite teachers. So in that she was surprised that the teacher would have said that, but she's also listening to students not wanting to necessarily take a side. But I'm looking at that and I sense the stress that a lot of our teachers are under in the schools. And I wonder how much of that is also contributing to it. School safety is a hot button issue across the country. How do you look at the issue of school safety and what is the school board's role in addressing it? Safety is a critical ingredient of any school and it's not just like we're talking about issues of officers in schools. There's, there's issues related to prevention of uh, violence and, and uh, health needs and you know, drinking and driving and all the things that many of us are educated on as young people. That's all a part of being safe. Um, and our community over the last six months has boiled down to having school resource officers, as they're now naming them, with the police department. I've told people that I do support the school resource officers being in the schools. Um, I heard loudly the frustrations and the concerns of students who rallied against that. Um, I think the intensity of their rally also uh, what was contributing to that is how they were being responded to. They got louder and louder and louder. Um, I think we could have communicated to them that we heard them a little bit earlier. But um, at the same time, there are a lot of families and children who spoke up behind the scenes or quietly as this district was doing its review that want those in there to feel safe. And it's not just everyday violence. It's shootings and other things that we've heard. So I think, you know, for the sake of our children and families, we have to have them there. But I think families and children should have a voice into what those BSR officers actually do. What do you identify as the biggest budget issues for the school district in 2019 and going forward? And how do you propose the board address them? So our community has two problems. One is we have, um, we have families that have been leaving our school system for quite some time. And we talk about it quietly, but I don't hear it being a conversation on our Board of Education. Um, we have a growing suburban community. Families that used to come to Madison for jobs or whatever it was, their first place to look was in the city of Madison. Now realtors will tell you that they're either telling people about new properties that are being built in, in Oregon and Middleton, Verona, and Prairie, or they're choosing those places. The families who are moving here as their first destination, often because they have children and they want those children to grow up in a neighborhood like that and send them to those schools. So our community is not becoming the first choice anymore. And we're seeing that in the 1,300 kids that are leaving our school system every year to go to public schools through public school open enrollment. Um, so we have to figure out a way to be competitive, which means we have to provide the type of school environment, the type of school programs that families are going to want for their children. Um, and that's critical. The second thing is the maintenance of our schools. 
I was reading an article by that uh, Cheryl Wilhoyt wrote in 1996 in the newspaper, Wisconsin State Journal, where she was appealing to the community in an editorial about, please stop pushing off deferred maintenance of these schools. You're going to run into a problem 20 years from now. We're past that. And we have schools that are crumbling from the inside. And so we have to put money into that. And that's something that will certainly be an agenda item for me. We should have great school facilities for our children that give us the flexibility to create the kind of educational programming for them that's going to move them into the future. And right now, we don't have that. How do you envision keeping up with multiple constituencies, including students, parents, teachers, administrators, and the taxpayers who are not part of these other groups, but to whom you must answer? You know, we have to be there. We have to be visible. It can't just be around election time. Anyone who knows me knows that um, that's my life work. You know, I'm constantly in the neighborhoods, in communities, speaking at events, going to churches, talking to people. Um, as board members, we have to be that available. And so for me, I don't think it's going to be that much of a stress because I do that already. Um, but I'll have to, with the number of schools we have, certainly I'll have to get around more. But I feel like that's our job, you know, as board members. We are the voice the community has elected to serve them, and we have to continue to hear from all of them and then communicate what we're hearing back to our administration. But I hope in a collaborative way, you know, where we know that we hire the people who lead our school district because we believe in their leadership. What would you like to say to the viewing audience as we complete this interview? We need the community to be more involved. You'll see in my literature and my communications that we have to put our children first. And I truly do not believe that children are first in America right now. We're talking about Russia and our president and, you know, everything else. Some of these issues are important to talk about, the environment. Uh, but what about our children? We don't hear much about that at all. And so my focus will be rallying the community around an agenda to really move education, not just in our city, but hopefully impact our region, because what happens in Madison really drives the region of Dane County. I want to thank Kareem Kerr for speaking with us and the viewing audience for taking the time to know your candidates. As with every election, please vote. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining us. Yeah.